fast isn't fast enough. Last week I was doing my trustee duties at Fuller Seminary and as the committee on which I worked checked in with each other, I was somewhat shocked to hear their responses that were best summarized as follows. I'm on the edge, stressed out, uh, at times I hate my job, I'm, I'm living with a sense of overload, and I have no roadmaps for escape. And these guys are pastors and CEOs of companies. And their remarks made me realize that our subject for this weekend, conquering the time bind, is very critical. It hits raw nerve in many of our lives. Many of us are overburdened and we're weary. Last year, this pulpit discussed margin, if you remember. Margin in our lives defined as that space that exists between ourselves and the limits of our resources or our abilities. And our pathology on the, on, in the Silicon Valley is that many of us are living without margin. We have no space between ourselves and the limits of our resources. Therefore, we're weary. What's interesting is this epidemic is spreading. I was interested in Mercury News last week reporting and making it a feature story about how we're not only overloading ourselves, we're overloading our children, hurrying them from academics to athletics, hyper-stimulating them until they're so hyper they have no downtime. And in many ways, they're exhibiting very neurotic tendencies. You see, they watch their parents go through a day at breakneck speed, and we give them this message, the good life is the fast life. And very soon they conclude, fast isn't fast enough. Push, push, push. Students miss the joy of school because of the pressure of competition, only to graduate and join the rest of us here in the hyper-stress habits of the peninsula. There's a new book, uh, The Time Bind, and it takes us further into this subject and it raises issues for which I believe Jesus offers solutions, and I want us to consider it today. Those of us who come here with a feeling of weariness and overburdened and schedules out of control, and maybe you hate your job. First, Jesus tells us it's not his will for believers to live in a time bind of exhaustion and stress. It's not our Lord's will for you to be stressed out today, so much so joy and living has been squeezed out of you. He makes this offer, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Our culture is geared to anything but rest. You know, if you really look for evidence, it's interesting. An advertisement for instant Quaker oatmeal shows a mom holding her small son under the caption, for moms who have a lot of love, but not a lot of time. Nikki is a very picky eater, and with instant Quaker oatmeal, I can give him a terrific hot breakfast in just 90 seconds, and I don't have to spend any time coaxing him to eat it. Analyze that. That's time efficiency with our children, 90 seconds. And then there's this commercial, flaunting a quick dinner, from zero to fajitas in eight minutes flat. <laughs> what a way to live. And that's what we're being sold every day. Fast isn't fast enough. An article describes time-efficient moms who take the cell phone into the bathroom so they can talk while bathing the baby, or they answer email in the kitchen while, bathing their while feeding their children. You see, time efficiency has invaded even the home and it's distorted our priorities. Speed is the thing. And it's become a celebrated dysfunction in our society. And we're paying a tragic price. And we as Christians should be concerned. 
That price is partially described in this book, The Time Bind. The author is a sociologist. She's not a Christian, but she does give a very compelling argument based upon her studies of Fortune 500 companies about how work habits are bringing a strategic reversal in American culture. Listen to what she concluded after three years of study. This is very significant. Work becomes home and home becomes work. After this study, the author found workers rejecting policies that would allow them more time for family. Rejecting them. And why? Uh, because the universal answer was money is a higher priority than extra time. And she makes this general conclusion. The idea of more time for family life seems to have died, gone to heaven, and become an angel of an idea. And why? Because you see, we've been seduced into investing more of our emotions, our, our best, the best part of us at the workplace. All of that was once reserved for the family. Now it's been reversed. So we take the hassle of a day, bring it home. Home becomes chaotic. So we go back and retreat to work, which is really more satisfying to us than being at home. That's happening all over the country. And that's tragic. When fast isn't fast enough as a lifestyle we willingly adopt, why? Because of the golden handcuffs of being able to accumulate more. In a book entitled Inside the Tornado, the author discusses the short product life of most of our electronic advances and the pressure on companies to produce something new to stay alive. Everything that we're involved in here makes life a race. And we as Christians make a choice, and when we personally opt to join that race, our, our value systems become very distorted. And that's why we need to come to God here in worship and get ourselves recalibrated. To give you an example, Ted Turner was asked why his billions were not enough. Maybe you heard the interview. And he said, well, you remember those lists the magazines make of the richest, 10 richest people in the world? Well, it's not enough to be on that list. Billions aren't enough. We have to be number one. That's sick. But you see, breaking from the time bind means we adopt a different value system than the one articulated by Ted Turner. That's exaggerated, but if you look at your life, sometimes we're seduced by the same stuff. And Jesus suggests that's why we're weary and heavy laden. And it's not because of pressures out there. You can't blame Silicon Valley. It's because as Christians, something's wrong in here in our hearts. Well, we might agree with this diagnosis from Jesus, but, you know, we've dealt with this subject before. And if you're honest, you're always already saying with me, you know, Gerber, it all sounds great, but I don't have any power to change this. I'm trapped. Well, what's the answer? And this leads to a second truth in the text. Breaking free from the time bind requires a supernatural change in our values and priorities. If Jesus has got to do it, we cannot. And Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come means to submit. To come under the authority of Jesus rather than under the icons and put pressures of our culture. And he uses the metaphor of a double oxen yoke. And he says, you know, in this very high pressured world, I want to partner with you. I want to help you wade through the pressures. I want to help you balance your schedule so you can have a life. And he says, my yoke's easy. My burden's light. But you're going to have to listen to my wisdom. 
and adopt my priorities about the investment of time. I've studied Jesus because I'm afflicted with the rest of you of being a very hyper person. And I'm, I want to understand his offer of rest. And if you look closely at his life, this becomes clear. It's important that you look at our Lord's day timer during his earthly ministry. And it's marvelous to understand that he had a balance in his life. He always made time somehow in the very busiest of moments when the disciples couldn't understand what he was doing. Rather than work harder, he'd retreat and go to his father in prayer. And he'd pray all night or he'd get up in the morning and talk to his father in prayer. And that drove his disciples nuts. You ought to strike while the iron's hot. And he said, no, I'm going to go pray. And then there's a, a, a part of Jesus that you probably don't hear too many sermons on. But do you ever kind of look at those texts where Jesus is at the home of some close friends he had? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And that's a time when he just kicked up his feet. And Martha was busy in the kitchen, remember, and Mary just come and like to sit with him and relate to him. But he had casual friends. He knew how to relax. He knew the importance of relationships. As I analyzed Jesus, his balance was he made time for a relationship with his father in prayer. He made time for his friends, and he still had time to save the world in three years. And he was never burnt out. Not one instance in the New Testament shows Jesus burnt out. Tired? Yeah, and he went to sleep. Never burned out. Now, I want to hit us right where we're thinking, based on the fact you've probably heard sermons like this before. You should be raising some practical questions. We have a mortgage. We want certain things. We want to run in certain circles here on the peninsula. We have a degree to earn. We have career goals to attain. Downsizing in my company demands I do the job of two because people are standing in line to take my place and if I lose my job, who's going to care for my family? Or we're retired and we find we're busier than ever. And you could add to that list. But folks, what we're talking about here is an impossibility. But I want to suggest that every time we give a sermon, we're talking about something impossible. And that's why we're here and why we need God. You see, if you want to stop your world and get off, it's going to require the power of Jesus. And the amazing thing is, this is the word of God, and he says, I'll help you do it. Our problem is, I don't think we really believe that. Or there may be some other issues in our lives that we want more. I, th there's an issue of sin. It's a good word, and our elders helped me make a little list of some things that the Holy Spirit might have to deal with us before we really get ready to find Christ's rests, before we can conquer the time bind. And it might include first greed. We don't call it that, but we're pretty greedy in this area. We always want more. And then there's pride of performance. We find our ego strength in doing that job. In fact, our worth is in what we do rather than who we are. And many of us find our self-worth in our net worth, like Ted Turner. Or we value the seductive icons of our culture more than our Lord's wisdom. Or here's an interesting one. We use our overloaded schedules to keep us from having to think about our problems. And we use overloaded schedules to get out of the house. Or we use overloaded schedules to keep us from thinking about the reality of aging and death. And we want to still prove we're, we've got it. And we're my age in our 60s. And we work even harder to prove that aging really isn't a factor. You know, my experience would indicate this. 
after years of, of yearning for, for, for this rest Jesus offers, and I want it for us as, as models in Silicon Valley to show Jesus makes a difference. What will finally convince us to listen to Jesus? Will it be a sermon? Will it be um, something else? I have concluded that most of us will only begin to take Jesus seriously when there's some form of pain in our life. I, I'm sorry that's true. I think it's true for me. It might be true for you. What kind of pain? What would make us take a serious interest in what Jesus is offering here? Well, first and foremost, a medical crisis. Have a heart attack, that'll slow you down. Or lose a marriage. Or suffer from emotional exhaustion until you can't even get out of bed in the morning. You can't even face another Monday going into the office. Or becoming so hyper you can't leave the office. Or reaching many of your goals and still feeling restless and incomplete after you've sold your soul to get them. Th those are big moments. I don't know what kind of pain or what the Lord will use to get your attention, but here's the wisdom Jesus would, Jesus would offer if we're serious about wanting to get a change. If you're worry, weary, if you're wiped out, hyper-stressed, and you want a change, here's his wisdom. It's from the Bible. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Our problem is we listen, we agree, but we don't try it. Listen, for example, consider what Jesus says about money. It's interesting that he talks more about money than anything else. And he said, what will it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose his or her own soul? Great question. He called a man who hoarded his wealth and built bigger barns and coveted more a fool. And he says, if you have food and clothing and a roof over your head, you should be content. Now, how many of us really buy that? We don't want a roof. We want it all. And we don't want to just have clothing and a house. We want a bigger house and more clothing because our society out there says we should. And Jesus says the answer to finding his rest is to have a simple life. And that the simple life is the good life and that amassing things and wealth has little to do with finding joy and contentment. And you know, we'd all stand up and cheer and say yes. And then we step out into that culture and join the rest of the herd and chasing all the other stuff. Have you ever considered how much time and attention we give to money and the things money can buy every day of our lives and then we wonder if we're trapped in it? Money's the most addictive thing in this world, Jesus says. You know, if you were here today, and I, I know this is an area that maybe, I, I don't know how far it gets into us, but I think if Jesus were here today, I doubt if he would tell us that these prosperous times in Silicon Valley are the best of times. I wonder if they are for you. For you who have prospered, are you better off than you were um, 10 years ago when things were harder? I almost sound like a politician. Were you better off in the last administration? Anyway, uh, I want to suggest that some of you seeking to break free from the time bind, if you're serious, you might want to seek God's help in helping you to cultivate a more simple lifestyle going counterculture to Silicon Valley, to downsize, to refuse to get on that treadmill of wanting more of everything and deciding enough is enough and come to that point where you're going to say, from now on, if I earn more, that's going to be given. I'm not going to hoard more because all I do is it gets more and more of me. And Jesus says that decision will give you new freedom. Now, the point is, that's God speaking and it's either true or it isn't. 
So if we neglect his wisdom, we neglect it at our peril, and we're going to go on being in the time by. Now, that's not Gerber speaking, that's Jesus. You've got to decide whether it's true or not, or what do you want to do about it? And then consider our Lord's wisdom about prioritizing our time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added. You know, I've observed that people who give priority to God's kingdom business always seem to have time for other things. A vice president of one of the largest Silicon Valley companies is also chairman of the seminary board of trustees where I attend, as well as an elder in our church and a prayer warrior. And yet this guy always has time to do what Jesus calls him to do. And yet he's being a VP in this huge company. I don't know how he does it, but he's got balance in his life. One of our members, and I'm sure this service was uh, uh, highlighted in the Mercury recently for his years of service to the prison inmates. I find many of you husbands and wives are making time to be with each other and your children regardless of the sacrifice. I'm really impressed these college young people, rather than take off as I would have at their age, to go somewhere for a vacation or going to Ecuador. I, I, I think that's a sign of something good for their future. I was talking to some single Christians, one particular yesterday, who's coping with their loneliness, and it is lonely to be single at times. And she no longer retreats to the office. She makes time to cultivate friendships here and to serve people. And she just, she used to be just addicted to work. And that was her answer. You see, Jesus would help us understand before it's too late that the true treasures in life include time spent with family and with friends, time spent serving and sharing and relating to people in need, and time spent in daily prayer relating to God. That's what Jesus did. And he says, that's the good life. And that's how you break with the time bind. In my 38 years in ministry, I've been by many deathbeds. And I've talked to many older people as they reflect on their lives. And I can say this, I've never heard anybody say, you know, I think I spent too much time with my family and my friends and I should have worked more. Never heard anybody say that. And you know, we laugh at that. But then look at your life. Maybe the weeping and gnashing of teeth that Jesus talks about that some of us are going to be doing at the end of our lives will be just that. Uh, we chase the wrong stuff. And I want to add a note at this point. Our church has the responsibility of monitoring your load of ministry here at MPP. Some of you people are so dedicated. We need to put a bit in your mouth so that you find your spiritual gift. You do a ministry and say no to overload right here in the church. The church overloads and burns out Christians. You need to say no, even if it's work done for Jesus. If it's something beyond what you're called to do. An elder wrote me last week and she says after, she's made a discovery after years of going out and doing, she's a server, she's a deacon. And I've been doing these things for people. And she says, I finally discovered that the far greater ministry is to make time to be, just be with people. Not doing like a Martha in the kitchen, but to be like a Mary. Just go and be with somebody. We don't know, we, we know how to do, but we don't know how to be. And I think that is what we're called, or Jesus is calling us to discover in our time. And then finally, and briefly, Jesus certainly must have related his offer of rest to the most neglected of the Ten Commandments. Maybe we would opt that the most neglected of the Ten Commandments is the ones about sex. I doubt it. You know, the most neglected commandment in our country today is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Do you realize that one of the gifts God gave us first by his own model in creation where he rested the seventh day is he didn't want his children to be slaves who work all the time. So he gave us one whole day and seven to do nothing but to stop and to reflect and to rest and to worship and to enjoy and to play and to have fun. I walk early in the morning and I find through the years I've watched El Camino become a booming metropolis at any hour of the night, 24 hours a day. You see, we neglect a Sabbath at our peril. And I believe that's one of the reasons America is in a time bind. And I say a Sabbath because your downtime might have to be another day besides Sunday. Mine is Friday. But you know, we need downtime and we need to give our children and our friends downtime. I suggest we consider the wisdom of Jesus about obeying the commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's not a commandment, it's a gift. Now as we close, I, I, I wanna just have you talk and reflect on this subject, pray about it. Uh, granted, it'll take a miracle to change our priorities, but we're Christians and we believe in miracles. I have found to be the primary means by which I tap in to the divine, uh, divine power to change. And I'm still here 24 years later after uh, leading a rather complicated church. I want that balance and I wanna model it desperately for you. There's nothing great about a hyper preacher burned out drained, miserable. I want you to find this gift today. God wants you to find it. Come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I'll give you rest. In fact, I believe learning to partner with Jesus and finding this rest as a method to cope with this mentality that fast isn't fast enough is a matter of physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual life or death for some of us. It's just that serious. And I also know you can't do the whole thing in one big bite. It's a journey. But if we're going to change, we have to start somewhere. Would you take a moment with me as we pray? And if, was there one step in this message that you thought, maybe I can do that? What, where's the first place to start to change? And let's just ask God to take us on a journey to where one day we can find this gift of rest. Would you pray with me silently about it? Lord, we confess we want this gift, at least most of us do, but we don't know how to go about changing so we can receive it. But do what you do so well, and that is bring your Holy Spirit into our lives to enable us to become and do things we could never do in our own strength. Bring rest to this congregation so we can go out and show this valley that there's more to life than fast isn't fast enough. We pray in Christ's name, amen.